Well, hi, Anita. Welcome to the Born for This podcast. It's so great to have you. Thank you so much, Clarissa, for inviting me. It is such an honor and privilege to uh, be here with you. Oh, well, thank you so much. Oh, my goodness. I, I just want everybody to know who's listening. So Anita and I have known each other for, I want to say it's about a year and a half now since we mm-hmm. met, or maybe just coming up to a year since we met at a self-publishing conference mm-hmm. um, last fall. And oh, my goodness, I feel like it's very, you're a very humble person. And so I feel the need to share the story that your family was like the star of that event because... <laughs> For those of you who don't know Anita and her story and her family, Anita has now published two books and she has two amazing children who are just brilliant and they have each published a book and everyone was just like so excited to meet your kids. And I guess at one, at at that point, it was just your daughter who had published and she was just so well-spoken and I'm sitting here going like, oh my gosh, did I brush my teeth this morning? I don't know. And she's like up here, just like rocking a stage in front of hundreds of people sharing her story. And I just knew I, after that point, I was like, okay, I have to be friends with, with Anita and this family because these are extraordinary people. Oh my gosh. You are so kind and so generous, Clarissa. <laughs> Yes, it's been a journey. Um, I never thought that I was going to write a book. Uh, It wasn't in my radar at all three Mm. years ago, uh, nor in my children's idea of, uh, (laughs) you know, in their world. But uh, sometimes things just happen and it's a dominoes effect. You know, one thing Ah. leads to the next and then to the next. And um, yeah, the sentiment is likewise, it's mutual. Uh, I was so drawn to you and your book and your work. Um, so yeah, I'm so glad to be here. Oh my goodness. You're so sweet. So the reason your book is actually the reason why you were here today, because I, I, so we met in, in the fall at this conference and then we had a, you know, a, a wonderfully mutual friend, um, who also is an author. Cause that's just mm-hmm. what happens when you start going to these things, <laughs> all these people who are writing stories. Um, and so we were at Amanda's book launch event and that's when I really, we, you and I really got to talking and I got to know mm-hmm. your heart for the Lord and just a lot of, of this, like the struggle of where you came from mm-hmm. and, and all of the ways that God has brought restoration and healing to your life. And I yes. just like, your story was one that needed to be told. So why don't you tell everyone, okay, first off, what's the, what's the name of your book? The name of my book is Picking Up the Shards. Uh, the subtitle is Healing the Pain of Mother Wounds, Discovering the Mother Heart of God. Mm, I love that. I love that so much. So how did, how did your, your book come into into your life? Cause I know that, you know, for me, it was like this pressing on my heart that God was giving. And of course I ignored it. Like everyone else does <laughs> like, Oh no, I'm not an author. Like I'm a therapist. Um, so how did, how did that process unfold for you? Because I know when you're talking about mother wounds, that that's a very sensitive subject, especially if you have connections yes. to your family still, or that parent is still alive, you know? So can you walk yes. me through what what that looked like for you when God was calling you to that process? First of all, I can't uh, highlight the uh, importance of my faith Mm. and recovery and the therapy community. Uh, Recovery is absolutely not possible without a therapist. Let me just say that, Clarissa, we need you and your work is so valuable. Thank you. And, um, you know, the, the group I was part of, there were women who um, saw my broken heart and the broken pieces of my life. And when I didn't have faith, I had to borrow their faith and their belief in me that I could actually face my past and my wounding. Um, and I've been through a lot of recovery groups and a lot of therapists in the last decade. Um, but this book was birthed on my bedroom floor. (laughs) When I turned 40, my whole life just fell apart. And the day of my 40th birthday, um, I just began to feel this huge weight of 
uh, feelings of unworthiness and rejection and abandonment. And these are the feelings that just enveloped me. And I was just a hot mess. I fell apart and I was in tears. And I'm like, why God, why now? Like, why on this birthday? And I hadn't heard from my family. Um, the relationship with my family has been an on and off uh, relationship, uh, especially with my mom. And everything just crumbled and fell apart. But in the midst of that moment, I felt like God was birthing something in me. And I felt like God speaking to my heart that I had to go back and visit the wounds of the womb. So that's where it all began. And as I began to process my life, I had to go back in time and try to remember like what happened to me. All I had heard up to that point is something was wrong with me. Like I heard labels. So I just went back and took up this journey of revisiting my life from when I could remember. And each and every uh, part of my life, I felt like God was walking alongside of me. And he reminded me that he wasn't just a father to me, because that's where that's what we hear a lot of times, like God the Father, mm -hmm. God is my King, He's my Savior, which is all true. But I had never once uh, thought about how God could be a maternal figure, a mother mm -hmm. to me in those like broken that places. nurturing type of yes. individual for your life. Mm -hmm. And so um, as I was processing through um, difficult emotions, I, I also went back to scripture to see if I could identify, you know, God as a mother. And right in the beginning, all through the Bible, I kept searching and I found that God does have a maternal heart for us, you know, in those is, spaces where uh, nurture so and protection and maternal uh, protection and nurture was missing. Mm. Mm -hmm. And that's that's so beautiful. And I, I think you're so right where we are just so prone to look at God the Father or God as King or God as a, you know, as a lover and like a spousal perspective mm -hmm. or, you know, someone who is pursuing us mm -hmm. in that way, in that protective kind of masculine role mm -hmm. to find that gentleness mm -hmm. that he also has. Were there specific scripture that that you have carried, like since you since you went to the Bible and you kind of dove deep in that? Is there a specific scripture that, or or a handful maybe that you've really clung to since discovering them? Yes, yes, absolutely. There are so many, but the one that really I think uh, hit me was the mother bear in Hosea thirteen eight. Um, God kind of portrays this picture of being a mother bear. And uh, it says, I will meet them like a bear deprived of her cubs. Mm. And that was so powerful to me. Uh, and then I started looking for references of the bear. Like, what does this have to do with God? Um, it says, let a man meet a she-bear robbed of her cubs rather than a fool in his folly. <laughs> I mean, isn't that interesting? Oh, so. Wow. Yes. And so as I kept reading these scriptures, I began to see uh, God as this mother bear. That metaphor was so powerful. And I felt like he was revealing to me the fierce nature of his love, mm -hmm. his huge hugging bear paws, you know, with the strange fierceness. I felt like that was a flaming love. It was so fierce and so protective. And I just envisioned God as a mother bear. And he was just uh, drawing me into his embrace. And isn't that what God does? Like he draws oh us yes. close to him. And so these revelations were truly um, hidden treasures that I had never thought about before. In Isaiah 49, 15, um, the word says, can a mother forget the infant at her breast or walk away from the baby she bore? But even if mothers forget, I'd never forget you. Never. Mm. In Hebrews 13, 5, uh, it kind of has the same theme. I will never leave you nor forsake you. 
I will never let you down, never walk off and leave you from the message. So God has such, I mean, that's purely a mother's heart, right? Absolutely. That scripture reflects a maternal instinct, a maternal love for me. And so I began to, yeah, and I just began to embrace um, the scripture in Psalm 121, three to four, the word says, he will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither sleep nor slumber. Who doesn't sleep nor slumber watching over their little ones? Oh my gosh, especially like a newborn that you're up yeah. you know, nursing every couple hours and yes. soothing and consoling and all of that. Oh my goodness. Wow. I've never, I've never looked at, I mean, I'm familiar with these scriptures as a Christian myself, but seeing that through a nurturing mothering lens, just mm-hmm. it's completely such a different mind shift in, in hearing and understanding these scriptures. Yes. And I truly believe that God gave me the gift of motherhood mm-hmm. to experience that love because it was easy for me when I was watching over my babies, like I have two, uh, and you've met them. Yes. But, they're spectacular uh, they were, little they were in born spectacular, right? <laughs> right. <Like> they, <laughs> I, so, and they had a lot of health issues. So um, I felt like I was watching over newborns for several years of my life because mm-hmm. during all those parenting years, I, I had to stay up with both and I was so exhausted and I felt like this wave of exhaustion and depression come over me. And I know we talk about baby blues, but I felt like it just, it just would never go away. I felt like, Lord, am I stuck in this situation and how long? Yeah. And then when I began to see God as a, mother. I mean, he would remind me of these scriptures. So it wasn't all on that floor at age 40, but I felt like each um, time frame mm-hmm. of my life led to the next uh, event. Oh, absolutely. Next event. And these scriptures were kind of there. He would bring it to my memory and I'm like, wow. Right. So these right. experiences just gave me a glimpse into who God is Uh, the God of the universe who never sleeps nor slumbers. Mm -hmm. And I began to have this appreciation for this powerful imagery of God watching over us, not blinking an eye on his beloved children. And he reminded me, just like I was watching over those babies, he was watching over me without blinking an eye. Yes. Yeah. So it sounds like you had you had quite the journey of, of healing, of going to therapy. Like that was a, a decade long process leading up to your, your 40th birthday. And then at that point, it sounds like God was saying, okay, you've put in a lot of work and you have, you've done a lot of healing, but I want to take that healing further. And I want to use this story, this, you know, unfortunate circumstance, so to speak of, of having those mother wounds and, and you use it in mm-hmm. a glorifying way where you are mm-hmm. now sharing this, this incredible story of healing and this journey with other people who, mm-hmm. you know, that you are not the only one who, right. you know, has mm-hmm. a mom just who's, you know, disappointed them in some way to say the least, or just wasn't, wasn't as present to them as mm-hmm. you would want them to be. And so mm-hmm. the fact that you can say, you know, healing is possible and, and leaning into the love of, of God, the father of, Mm -hmm. of God as an, as a gentle and nurturing God is, is just such a powerful restorative place to be sitting. Yes, absolutely. And, um, I believe that God has entrusted me with this responsibility to pass that gift of healing forward. I can't hoard it. Mm -hmm. Um, Several years ago in recovery, uh, one of my leaders, she made such a huge impact in my life. She was a great friend, but she spoke truth into my life. And that one person changed the trajectory of my life. And I want to honor her. I lost her to cancer. Mm. But she left a legacy. Absolutely. 
because she passed the gift of healing. And so now I feel responsible that I can hoard the healing journey. And I wanted to be that one person who could impact lives. And I wish I could sit with every person I met mm -hmm. across the table, hold their hand and look them in the eye and say, you matter. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I felt called to write it, put pen to paper so I could be that one person to effectuate change or healing or start people on a journey. And although the book has an element um, and focus on God as the mother and mother wounds, I have walked through so much trauma in my early life, um, physical abuse, emotional abuse, sexual violations as a young child. And that's very confusing for a young person. And so to walk, you know, to, uh, to have this aw awakening moment later in life, oh my gosh, I carried all this and I didn't even recognize that those were abuses and violations mm -hmm. until I began to get triggered when I had my own children. So I feel like those ages and stages that I experienced some of these um, trauma mm -hmm. um, is when I started getting triggered, right? Like yes. um, just understanding what happened to me and what happened to my brain and my emotions and knowing that sometimes that resides in my primitive lower brain that I don't have mm -hmm. much control on. And right. when those triggers just brings all this up to the surface, I mean, it just rears its ugly head out of nowhere in my adulthood. And that even began to impact the relationship with my children and the relationship with my husband. And, you know, it just spilled over into many areas of my life. So... It wasn't, again, all just one moment of awakening. I feel mm -hmm. like God has been, you know, all these triggers, all these experiences um, have, have, a, have an effect uh, mm -hmm. to bring you to a place of, okay, I'm feeling hurt. I'm feeling sadness. I'm feeling overwhelmed. I'm feeling anger at some of the things that happened to me. But the pain of all of that was so much greater than the journey I was afraid to embark on. So I just had to, you know, look fear in the eye and uh, just get bold and courageous to take that first step. Mm -hmm. And then I could take the next step. And I couldn't do it by myself. I needed therapists. I needed yes. recovery groups. I needed my God who I felt like had forsaken me for so long. But, mm -hmm. you know, until I had that community and I had that support, I couldn't even see God. Like, you right. know, it's hard. Well, and you're I, a therapist and you know uh, more than I do. Well, and, I, you know, I always say, you know, it's okay to have Jesus and a therapist too, because it's sometimes you can't do it with just one or the other, or you can't, like God can bring you to this place of healing sometimes alone, mm -hmm. but why would you want to walk alone or why would he call you to walk in this, mm -hmm. in this traumatic healing alone when there's so many other people that can be your community and can be your uplift. And you said something earlier that really stuck out to me where you were like borrowing strength from mm -hmm. the other people that you were surrounded with when you didn't have it yourself. And I feel like that is so important to point out because mm -hmm. God puts these people in our lives, whether it's a healing mentor or therapist or whoever that is to, to guide us. But we have that, that incredible opportunity to mm -hmm. lean on them and to, to gain strength from just their very existence. Sometimes right. when we are just too, like, we know we need to go on, we know what's right. We know what we're, where our, our, we're trying to get to in our growth. Mm -hmm. But sometimes we just don't have anything left. We don't, right. we can't see what we have left. And we need that person to come and pull us out of that funk of depression or, you know, and pull us into this understanding of, hey, you're not alone. Right. I mean, I don't believe 
we are called to carry our burdens alone. I know we are neurobiologically wired to survive. As humanity, yes. we have survived so much. But surviving it, and thriving, thriving are completely it, different things. Yes, yeah. yes. But, you know, it reminds me of the story of Hagar in the Old Testament when she was basically ostracized from you know, her family, her community, and she found herself in the desert. Mm -hmm. And I can guarantee you, she was probably depressed and just wondering like what her life has amounted to. And God shows up and says, Hagar, like, where are you coming from? And where are you headed? And then God revealed himself as the God who sees. Mm -hmm. And she met the God who sees. I believe we need to be seen right in the pit of where we are. And what breaks our heart breaks the heart of God. Mm -hmm. What I always think like God was the God who sees or God is still the God who sees. But why did he ask Hagar that question? Like he mm-hmm. wanted her to come to the awareness and the acknowledgement of where she was. And in that place is where he revealed himself as the God who sees. We need to be seen. We need to mm-hmm. be heard. We need to be understood. We need to be validated in our pain yes. uh, because healing comes over validation and connection, right? Absolutely. And I, when I go back to the wounds of the womb, you know, that foundational relationship is what determines that blueprint for relationships and connections with in our whole life. And foundationally, when that's broken, then I'm walking around with this faulty blueprint of, you know, this pattern of relating and connecting. And I don't know, I know in the therapy world, in the psychology world, in the counseling world, I mean, the whole aspect of attachment, mm-hmm. Right. So and powerful, it, yes. Right. And the highest form, I feel like God is the author of attachment because he didn't send Jesus as a whole human, like a grown adult human. Mm-hmm. God sent Jesus as an infant right. who had to depend on his mother for everything, just like any other human mm-hmm. being. And I always wonder why God did that, mm-hmm. right? Like right. God with us. God is present with us. It's all mm-hmm. about connection and presence yes. that heals. And God is with us. And he did send Jesus into this world to be present in human flesh and blood. Uh, and I do believe we, we need people in our zip codes, real flesh and blood humans to connect yes. with. I mean, Jesus modeled that. He saw people, he touched people, he healed people. He was always present with people. And even in his Gethsemane moment, right before he was going to go to the cross, he needed his best buddies. He needed his people to be with him. And the two, they fell asleep. Well, that's our humanity. But if Jesus... But how much the, is that like our friends, right? Like right. You're in an intense, you know, feeling and like you're up in the middle of the night. And you're like, oh, I can't sleep. I'm agonizing over this thing. And you ask your friends for prayers and they're like, oh my gosh, praying for you. I'm here for you, whatever you need. But then like, well, it's not their life. It's not their stress necessarily. So they can sleep at night, but you're, <laughs> you're awakening alone, even though you have the friends, you know that they're there. But right. I think that's where God comes in and, and God says, hey, I am always here. I am always awake with you. I'm always seeing you and knowing you and understanding you. Mm-hmm. And that is where that that having that awareness, like you said, that's what can propel us forward so much faster in our healing. Mm-hmm. Because when we when we don't see our own worth and our own value that God has placed on us since, you know, conception in the womb. Mm-hmm. We are we're missing so much of of his love and his ability to just shower his affirmations on us because it's not it's not about what how the world sees us or views us. It's okay, turning back to the word, what does God say about us? Yes, absolutely. And finding our identity. Like for me, you know, the maternal figures in my life um failed me and I was looking for this whole 
you know, maternal figure. And I, I found that figure in God, but I also had mothers and sisters who poured into my life in my desert moments, mm -hmm. uh, who were the hands and feet and the heart, mm -hmm. the maternal heart of God. So yes, we do need uh, community and we do need those people and God has placed them in our lives. Mm -hmm. But in the foggy uh, a mind when trauma and depression or whatever else it is that yes that just takes over Clouds our, everything, everything mm -hmm. it's hard to see them and identify them. But I believe they are, they are in our community. They are in our circles. Mm -hmm. uh, but you know, we, we need them. And I think it's important to, to, to point out that, you know, God wants to give us those gifts of the people that we're missing in our lives. You know, we can't control the families that we're born into and we can't control how, how healthy those individuals are and, you know, how nurturing or warm and loving they are. But what we do have control, more control over is who we allow in our life that is outside of our blood relatives. And I feel like God wants to place these gifts of people in our life to take Absolutely. on, you know, those roles where we fill that void. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so there's so many people that, you know, would be older than you and that would want to just see you as a daughter, would want to adopt you, so to speak, yes. as, you know, and be a spiritual mother to you mm -hmm. and want to love you with that and give you everything that they know that you deserve from Absolutely. a mother's perspective that you didn't get from your own. Right. And not to put the entire blame and, you know, all of that on our mothers and sometimes these things are passed down the generations uh, we can only give what we have received absolutely so uh just trauma and all of this just finds its way into generations and i felt like when i stopped and paused and faced these broken pieces of my life what I was doing is, you know, I was breaking a cycle there and I didn't want to pass that down to my children, my daughter, because she is then going to pass that down to her children. And, uh, you know, God's word says that for a thousand generations, like you can either pass the blessing forward or you can pass the curse forward. And when I say curse, I mean, I'm not referring to this demon in me that gets passed on. Essentially no, these, these learned traumas and these right? learned behaviors that when you, like you said, you know, it didn't, you were not maybe triggered to having some of these traumas until you had your, your own children. And you might grow up, might've grown up thinking some of these things were normal because this is all that you knew. Mm -hmm. But then when you have kids and you're imagining, oh, well, if someone violated my, my son or daughter in this way, that would definitely not be okay. And that like light bulb goes off in your head of, wait a minute. And that means that wasn't okay for me as a child. Right. Putting these things together. That is, oh my goodness. Like that's where that's like the spark of that inside is like that spark of the healing. Like mm -hmm. you have to understand that trauma, understand where it comes from, how it was learned. And mm -hmm. then that's when you get to start breaking, you know, those, those generational unhealthy behaviors. Right. Right. And we turn into mama bears. Why? Because we are true image bearers of our God, who is a mama bear. Like Absolutely. we go, I, you know, and yes, sometimes uh, I think I didn't have the voice for myself, but when things happen uh, with my children in school, whatever it is like bullying and other things that are so rampant in our times right now. And it, that may not all be intentional, but you know, I have to go to bat for them mm -hmm. because I don't want them to uh, endure or suffer uh, these situations that could cause trauma to them. And I begin to intentionally parent from that place of awareness mm -hmm. uh, and healing. Now, if I say I'm all healed and wonderful, I would be lying. I mean, these things are going to get triggered, but... I have learned to deal with them and manage them and identify, you know, how I parent and yes. and make corrections there. So I don't pass down that uh, generational cycle. Hey friends, so I had to interrupt this episode to give a shout out to our partner today. We are doing things a little bit differently on the Born for This podcast. Instead of having weekly sponsors, I'm having weekly episode partners who are other creators who have positively impacted my life. 
Today's episode partner is Wonderfully Made Art. Now, my friend Josie uses her God-given talents to create amazing watercolor, line art, and calligraphy pieces. One of my absolute favorite purchases was a custom design that incorporated a variety of gorgeous succulents that she made for my goddaughter's baptism gift. I was blown away by what she was able to make and how quickly my order was delivered. Head on over to her Instagram, give her a follow, and use the code BORNFORTHIS and receive 10% off your first purchase. That's wonderfully made art. W-A-N-D-E-R-F-U-L-L-Y-M-A-D-E dot A-R-T. Now let's get back to our chat. And you have to give yourself grace in that process to understand that, okay, your children are certain ages. They're triggering certain traumas in your life based on their ages. Mm -hmm. So when they grow, the traumas can be re-triggered in in a different way and can be seen from a different lens and understanding that when you are allowing yourself to have grace, you're extending that grace to yourself Mm -hmm. and that love that and mercy that God shows to us, that completely transforms your level of parenting because Mm -hmm. you don't have this, like we see God as the perfect parent, but he doesn't call us to be perfect because it's not, you know, that's not possible. It's an unattainable goal. Yes. So having that grace is almost like that, what fills that, um, that gap, that bridge from trigger trauma to healthy parenting is okay. I need, I need the grace to understand I'm triggered. Maybe I acted in or parented in a way that wasn't in the way that I wanted to. I, I don't have to keep doing that though. Mm -hmm. I can acknowledge it and have that insight and then change it. Yes. And your children, you know, when they, when they throw a tantrum or when they come back with certain behaviors, I mean, they're reflecting back to me that somewhere something's broken, the connection or something I said, or, you know, I, I really begin to think of that that way. And I ask them, how, you know, what is it that I said that offended you? Or how could I have said that better or done that better? And they have so much insight mm-hmm. that... You know, it's beyond what I could have thought of in that moment. And then to go back and apologize to them. Mm-hmm. Um, because I feel like, you know, you could, again, the labels that I heard, the words that were spoken over me, the things that happened to me, uh, to believe that that doesn't define who I am. Mm-hmm. And I want to uh, speak words of life and truth into their life. So, you know, I don't affect their self-worth. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, I need to positively praise my kids all the time. No, I need to let them fail. And I need to experience, I need to let them experience, um, not trauma, but the realities of this world. Failure is, is just, you can't succeed at everything. And failure is a part of trying and yeah, all, all of that, like there's natural consequences to actions and things like that, Mm -hmm. but that when you're doing it with love and grace, yes, doing it from that perspective of raising your children. So they get to go to heaven. Mm -hmm. I think that transforms your, your understanding of, of who they are as individuals and your goals are shifted. Yes. And as a parent, yes. And as a parent, uh, I have a responsibility to reflect God's heart for them too, or who God is to them. Mm -hmm. Right. So I, I have to parent from a place of, I am a reflection of God. They see God through me. They see God through uh, my husband, you know, and God said that he created men in his image, male and female. So it's both sides, uh, male and female, husband and wife, who reflect God as a whole to them. So, you know, just that intentionality. And that's uh, the blessing that's uh, come from me facing my past and me facing these pieces of my life that he is putting putting it back together, even as I parent my children. And it's, it's a process. It's going to be ongoing until the day I die. That's what I believe, but he is still refining me until that day that, you know, I can stand before him. And my hope is I will leave that legacy behind and God will say good and faithful servant. You know, you didn't do it perfectly because you can't, right? Uh, but yeah, like you said, well well done. You tried your best. (laughs) Yes. Right. (laughs) 
Yeah. I think of, I think of when we get to heaven where God's going to say, you know, did you know me? And did you, did you show me, did you tell people about me to everyone around you? Mm -hmm. What did, what did you do with this knowledge? Right. And that, then we can just do, all we can do is the best, you know, Mm -hmm. that, that we're capable of whatever that level is for each and every one of us. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. So Mm -hmm. now looking, you know, or we've kind of talked about that the last 10 years of, of work that you did and and healing and therapy and all of these things that led to this, this big moment when you turned 40 and then, you know, started writing your book, how has that, has, have there been, because I mean, this, again, this is a very, um, touchy subject Mm -hmm. for, you know, anyone in your family, because you are essentially, I don't know, outing some some secrets potentially, or, you know, when I wrote my book, I wrote about a negative relationship that I had in my life as well. Mm -hmm. And there was that fear of, okay, how is this going to be received and what would be consequences of that? So have you endured any negative consequences from, from writing this book that God called you to write? Yes, absolutely. Um, (laughs) It was a very difficult book to write. Uh, to know how much to write, how to write, um, how much to expose, um, and all of that. And I feel like this was divinely inspired. There were times when I felt like I just need to cut all this out and scrap it and just be done. Lord, I can't do this. Like, this is too much Mm -hmm. um, to write. But then again, I want to honor um, all the people who have poured into my life, you know, my life was very displaced. So I did get to uh, live with and spend time with many uh, parental figures, multiple parental figures, maternal figures. And um, this is not to portray all of them in a negative way, but some of the things that they did, some of the actions, um, you know, were hurtful. Uh, and to reveal that, yes, it is hard. And I don't want to come through as this angry woman who is uh, portraying, you know, everybody is bad and evil. But my hope and my goal is if and when they read and if they have already read, um, I want to let them know that I have forgiven them. And I hope that one day this would lead to um, reconciliation because reconciliation is only possible when both parties can be present in the situation. I have forgiven every one of them. But again, reconciliation is specific to the offense. Um, It's taking ownership and acknowledging. And sometimes it's hard for someone to receive uh, this because I think denial kicks in and, oh, the blame turns back on me that, oh, you're too sensitive. You're just too angry. You're this, you're that or the other. And it triggers some of those labels because that's Mm -hmm. what I heard all my life that I was too sensitive and too this or too that. But I feel like, you know, words have the power to effectuate change and telling your story is um, the story doesn't own you anymore. I, I own my story. So, you know, words can be received and I pray that these words are received by, um, family or anybody who reads this or finds their family in the pages of my book, um, I want that to be a a positive thing or a start of a journey, Um, you know, whether it's someone dealing with their family of origin or in their parenting, maybe bringing some awareness to these things, how sometimes you can unconsciously uh, hurt during your parenting or you know, just in your life in general. So it's, it's more of shedding light and bringing awareness to these things, whether it's emotional abuse, verbal abuse, or, you know, physical abuse, uh, psychological Mm -hmm. abuse, all these things, just shedding light on those sensitive, big topics, Mm -hmm. but also sharing my journey to know that, yes, I don't want to skim over the pain and the hurt because then I can't face it and nor would somebody receiving these words be able to put themselves in my shoes mm-hmm. or identify with those and, and, you know, walk that journey because we try to avoid pain because we don't want to get hurt. Right. And avoidance and denial uh, are two just big things that keep us from healing and recovery. 
So I didn't. Well, and that avoidance and denial, a lot of times that's rooted in shame, you know, and yes. whenever, whenever you feel like you have to keep these secrets, you know, to not shame the family or not to, you know, not to have people look badly on, on your mom or on this, this person or that person, it's, it's denying truth. And yes. when we deny truth and we, we keep that to ourselves and, you know, under lock and key, that shame just builds and it grows. And then you internalize all of those things that, you know, like you said, you know, this was your fault or you're too sensitive or you took this the wrong way or whatever. How dare you think badly of your mother mm-hmm. instead of those people in your life being able to show up and say, no, you were, you, this was an unfortunate situation and you were the victim of, mm-hmm. of these specific traumas. And when it's not validated, you know, and you're told to silence, then that just affirms mm-hmm. more of what the world says you are versus what God's trying to speak into you and right. who God is trying to say that you are. Yes. And at the end of the day, I would betray my own self mm-hmm. if I just succumb to shame. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, you know, breaking that code of silence, um, sharing your story, uh, it starts a conversation and it, it, does. it, it just... Not only does it change the trajectory of my life, but it does for others too. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and like you referred to, you know, truth and safety, like truth, to be able to speak your truth with safe people. And I don't believe um, we need to share our story with everyone. Like you can't process your story with everyone. Right. We have to process our so- story in sacred spaces. And it is sacred. Mm-hmm. Our stories Absolutely. are sacred. And it needs to be honored and validated. And, you know, we can tell the world our healed stories, but we can process our stories with the world. Absolutely. And I'm that's so when you said that, because I feel like so many people, especially with like social media and all these different platforms where people try to be vocal and try to, you know, they want people to know this is what I've been through. You can, you can overcome this too. Not everybody in the world deserves your story. Mm-hmm. Like you said, it's sacred. Like that is something that is earned through trust and mm-hmm. you can't, they can get maybe a version of it or understand, Oh, I've, I've had some trauma in my past. Okay. Well that's vague enough or that's not really, most of us could probably say that, mm-hmm. but that doesn't, you don't owe them any explanation of what that looks like. And when right. we encounter people who think they're entitled to know these things, that's, that's so damaging. And it so is. I think that there's, there's this part of healing is knowing who is safe? What are the sacred spaces to share these intimate, you know, experiences that are going to be productive then Mm -hmm. you're going to produce healing and not open yourself up to more shame, to more trauma, to, you know, more need for healing because you're not getting the understanding and the validation that, and the help that you're needing in order to move on. And for, uh, you know, anybody who's been through trauma, the biggest issue there is who do you trust and how do you trust? Like, I don't, I couldn't trust my own self to trust somebody else. So (laughs) you can't trust yourself. How can you trust anyone else? And then that's your, you said you're, you know, questioning God and feeling like you couldn't see him at all either. So man, talk about a space of isolation sitting in. Yes. And trust is incremental. You know, I have to risk vulnerability and brave transparency incrementally. Yes. Um, It's so funny. One of the recovery groups, like, you know, we were talking about trust and uh, uh, the one of the metaphors of the pictures that come to mind is you don't just invite everybody into your house. I mean, you don't even invite them onto your porch. Uh, first you would see if they're safe enough, you know, we may put them in our mental space. They may be out there in your city somewhere, and then you trust a little and they make their way in and then eventually to your neighborhood and then your street and then maybe your porch, and then Mm -hmm. you can invite them in and sit down and have a conversation. So I, when I think about incremental trust, Mm -hmm. that's what I think of. And at some point, I mean, if, they do violate your trust or you can't, you know, you can really fully trust, then you put them back out there somewhere, you know, <laughs> like we don't right. need everybody in our, in our space. Right. So yes, I mean, we may lose a lot of friends in the process, like even in the recovery community, um, I have because confidentiality is such a huge thing. And sometimes, mm-hmm. um, you know, if you share your story with someone and you hear it from a third party, you're like, whoa, 
mm-hmm. oh my gosh but you know it just what goes around comes back to you like it just makes well and that's why circle. boundaries boundaries mm-hmm. are so important to have whenever you are building trust and I'm so glad mm-hmm. you brought that up and just because that that kind of that metaphor that you just gave of of that visualization of the door you know to your home like the doors that are able to be locked like that's what keeps mm-hmm. everyone safe right and you it takes it takes that time to understand oh like oh i perceive you as being a safe person now welcome to my home but then if you start stealing from me well mm-hmm. i'm going to put you on the other side of the door and lock it right. <laughs> like you're not going to be able to to come into and, and have all of these privileges that you once had because there was a consequence to a negative action. Like mm-hmm. you chose to put yourself back on the other side of that door. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what so many people when they're going through healing and recovery and have, have endured some trauma, they're so used to other people putting the blame onto them mm-hmm. and feeling responsible for it. So, you know, if somebody comes into your house and steals from you, even though you perceive them as a trustworthy person, mm-hmm. oh, I must've misperceived. What did I do wrong? What's my part in this? Not, right. okay. Some people are just not great people that want to use you and take mm-hmm. from you. Yeah. And it's them that, that, cho- that then chose to put themselves back on the other side of the door. Right. Yes. You, just, you just locked that it is- because that's what's safe and healthy. That is such a great uh, analogy. Uh, so much better than what I try to even explain. <laughs> but <laughs> you're the therapist. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and boundaries is so huge. Um, again, you know, um, some of us who go through trauma, I feel like we we don't know what boundaries are. Like mm-hmm. you know, boundaries for your own self, let alone boundaries for someone else. Like where is my boundary line? Like, you know, you know, the feeling of I belong, I have a birthright to my emotional safety, uh, my space in this world. I do physically occupy space. Like I had to tell myself, you're put in this world and you occupy a certain uh, space and that that's your space. And I have that on my mental space, my emotional space, my psychological space. I mean, whatever it is. And, Mm -hmm. Uh, until I decide like, you know, what that is or what my values are, what I would say no to and what I would say yes to until I have an awareness of that, you know, I can't tell somebody else, my doors are all wide open, just come on in and, you know, (laughs) right, right, exactly. Like you said. Well, well, and I think you made such a great point because when you are, you know, you, when you grow up in this environment of constantly having your space, whether it's, you know, physically, emotionally, spiritually, whenever you're, you're feeling violated on so many levels, what is being taught to you is that you don't have any boundaries that you're not allowed to have boundaries. Mm -hmm. And so it's like that first step is understanding, wow, no, I'm allowed to take up space in this world. And God called me here for a purpose mm-hmm. and you are not allowed to violate my personal space. Mm-hmm. Like this is sacred. This is anointed. I need you to yes. recognize and you to back up, yes. <laughs> you know, but just that, I mean, that's, that feels like step one is just mm-hmm. understanding that, no, you were allowed to have those boundaries because right. when you're told you're not allowed to, you got to, re- you got a lot of reframing to do and in, right. in, internally to get mm-hmm. to that point of then being able to set them and not feel guilty for setting them and yes. feel guilty for protecting you and your own needs. Mm-hmm. And even the Bible says, let your yes be your uh, yes. And you know, no, me. No. no, right? <laughs> like until we can even do that, because when I say no, sometimes I feel like obligated to give an explanation. Well, mm-hmm. no, no means no, no is a complete sentence. Like mm-hmm. I need to understand that for myself before I can tell somebody no, Right. Mm-hmm. So um, I had to learn that. And my husband, my wonderful husband always says, you don't owe anybody an explanation. You need to be able to say no. And it should mean no, Mm -hmm. which means your no is not complete. (laughs) Right. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Well, I think of that in a way of like, you know, if you're at someone's house, oh, would you like coffee? Oh, no, thank you. Water's fine. You don't have to say, oh, I can't drink coffee past 3 p.m. Otherwise, I'm a crazy person. I can't sleep. But like, like, it doesn't matter. It's like, you just take the water, like it's, it's, you, know, you know? And so I just, we feel the need to over explain because we feel guilty for, mm-hmm. for protecting ourselves and our needs or exerting our needs. Yes. 
And it's not selfish. Like that is not, sometimes it can be selfish to just constantly say no and only look out for self. Mm-hmm. Obviously we're not promoting selfishness, right? but that, that you are a whole and complete and well-adjusted mm-hmm. person mm-hmm. when you protect what your priorities are and what right. your needs are. Mm-hmm. Yep. Absolutely. Anita, thank you so much for just sitting here and chatting with me today. I I know we talked about like, we just kind of never know, you know, with the podcast, like where things are going to go and where the Holy Spirit is going to lead. And I just feel yes. like the Holy Spirit just showed up today and was so present. And I'm just so thankful for you and your courage to share this, this very intimate story and I, I want our, you know, my listeners to be able to find you and connect with you and learn more. I mean, we just, man, your, your book is, is a good one and it's, there's a lot in there. So we barely, I feel like scratch the surface of, of what's in, what's inside that cover, you know? So how can people find you and buy your book if they're interested? How, yeah, tell, tell the world how to, how to get in touch with you. Well, uh, you could head on to my website. Uh, it's www.brokenliferestored.com. Uh, the book is on Amazon. You can Google it and it'll pop up on Amazon. I am on social media, on Instagram and Facebook. And my handle is at author Anita O. Perfect. And what's the title of the book one more time? Picking Up the Shards, Healing the pain of mother wounds, discovering the mother heart of God. I love it. All right, y'all. So go grab a copy of this book if you want to learn more about how God loves you like a mama bear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like the idea of being a bear cub. Like bear cubs are oh. cute, they're cuddly, they're so fuzzy. I'm just like, yes, I would like to be a little bear cub. <laughs> I'm protected by the mama bear. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. I love that. Yeah, I just want to leave uh, listeners with just a word of encouragement that Please. Uh, you can face the broken shards of your past, and that is your way forward. Uh, your broken past does not need to define your future. You don't equal something that happened to you. You are chosen and placed in this world by God with a unique destiny and purpose that only you can fulfill. You are one of a kind with innate worth, created on purpose to live in connection with others in community, and your grave doesn't need to hold your story. Yes, and amen. Wow, I could not have ended that on a better note. So with that, Anita, thank you so much for joining us today, and I look forward to probably having you back because I, I know that this is just the beginning of your story, and I think next we'll have to bring your wonderful kids on so they can share about their amazing books as well and their journeys because they have, man, they have seen a few things in just their short years of life so far. So (laughs) I look forward to having you back. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Clarissa. It was just an honor and privilege and a joy to be in the space with you. Uh, And thank you so much for your kind words. Oh, you're so kind. All right, you guys, God bless. Thank you guys. Thanks so much for listening to the Born for This podcast. I hope you join us for next week's episode. Please make sure you're subscribing and I would be honored if you would share this episode with your friends on social media. If you enjoyed our chat today, it would mean so much to me if you would leave a review and a rating so we can make this podcast visible to as many people as possible. As always, remember that you were chosen by God to be in this world for a specific reason. Whatever God is calling you to, I hope you know you were born for this.